Two stories at a time and space. I'm your regular host, Scott Weatherly, and as always, I'm joined by Julian Darius. Julian, how are you doing? You okay? I'm I'm fine, but just don't look at me. <laughs> don't look at me. Is that why you've got the towel over your head? Yes, and and if you hear <clears throat> slurping sounds, um, <laughs> pay pay no mind. Yeah, and if listen, if you hear in the background, there might be a faint buzzing or a help me. <laughs> uh, just just please ignore it and uh, we shall carry on uh, Today we are doing another one in our series of sort of Revisiting something we've done in the past But like another aspect of it We've done sequels, we've done um, remakes And now we are revisiting sort of like the original uh, Something So we are re- going to be talking about The Fly from 1958 uh, For me I'm sneaking another Vincent Price film into the uh, <laughs> Onto the show, so I'm always pleased with that. Um, but yeah, this stars. I'll quickly run up some of the cast because you know Vinny isn't the top uh, top build. We've got uh, uh, David Hederson, Patricia Owens, Vincent Price, Herbert Marshall. Um, they're really the main ones. Then you get sort of like uh, Kathleen Freeman as the help, and uh, Charles Herbert as Philippe is probably worth noting. But uh, yes, this is directed by Kurt Newman. And actually, I wanted to note, note, note something based on the story by George Langerland. Now, I never knew that The Fly was, was based on a story from the year before, 1957. It was, it was published in Playboy magazine, which um, <laughs> is a bizarre place. But that's, that's what happened in those days. Like, you know, well, um, I mean, Playboy ran real stories. Um, yeah. It wasn't all. Silly stuff. Oops. No. Oops. So yeah. So anyway. So this 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 is uh, the story of we've talked about obviously the, the nineteen eighty six version or the nineteen eighty seven version, um, starring Jeff Goldblum. Uh, so Jeff Goldblum directed by David Cronenberg. Uh, this is a different animal. Um, however, no no less horrific, I would say in some cases. Um, however, this is the story of uh, Professor um, his name. Andre um, Delambray, yeah, De- Delambray, who is uh, a scientist and he's working on teleportation. And much like Brundle, uh, he ends up teleporting himself, but a fly gets trapped in the machine with him. But instead of slowly turning into a fly, um, Andre finds that he's, his arm and his head have become that mm. of a fly, and he is slowly using losing his humanity. Um, However, there is also a fly out there somewhere with a human head and a human arm that is gaining its humanity. Um, and so that is the story of how he deals with that and what happens. I thought we'll get into the sort of the spoilers shortly. But overall, Julian, what were your initial thoughts then of uh, the fly? 
Um, I think it, it's slow to start. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, certainly the performances, especially Patricia Owens as Ellen, um, are are fine and sort of carry it mm-hmm. forward. I do quite like the flashback structure, mm. and I and, and I do like. I mean, I think this is this is quite a fine film, um, mm. and and I've not seen it before. I I do love the mystery. Uh, it's a sort of murder mystery. Um, it's a very strange case, right? Yeah. Somebody, <laughs> you know, Ellen has killed her husband under a press, an industrial press, right? You know, and he has apparently laid down to be crushed um it's been activated twice i love that fact. yeah um you know which makes it seem quite in cold blood she's very happy at this she doesn't seem to be upset at all um and then she's obsessed when flies buzz around and then cries when one is swatted um <laughs> you know and so she it's like is she mad what's going on obviously there's more to this story um, so it is this sort of mystery, and I think that's very effective. That's a very smart sort of way to do a science fiction film because oftentimes in these films, we get to this point where things have been screwed up, messed up things have happened, and perhaps because we've walked through it in sequential order, we're not, we, you know, we realize how absurd it is. By mm-hmm. the point that you know, you know, people have been murdered and and whatnot. It's like, yeah, did it have to go this way? But if you start with that, and then the rest of it on uh, rolls out as a flashback, and then you you know pick up, that's become quite popular, especially post Palinic and, and Fight Club. You know, it's almost become mm-hmm. a cliche to start with. There's been a death, and you know, um, but, but it's a very effective thing, especially with science fiction, that makes you think, mm. oh, what is really going on here? Of course, you and we know, right? It's not yeah. no big mystery, but it really is very effective. Yes, it is. And I like the fact, because you say about, um, it, it is, there, there are, there's, there's a portion that is quite slow <clears throat> at the beginning. But it's interspersed with like it keeps throwing you off off the trail a little bit. So it does start with the murder of of, of Andre uh, by his his wife Helen, and I like the fact that like, you know it's it's all sort of set up so there's a, like a caretaker or some guy comes into the factory. He hears the press, mm-hmm. um, and he obviously eventually sees the body sort of le- you know just lo- laying out of this thing. Uh, and reports it to the police, and it's obviously Vincent Price plays the brother, uh, plays um, Francois, yeah, yeah, Francois Delabre. And when they, they they identify him and stuff, but I like the fact that they're looking at the machine and they're like, well, you know, we saw Helene has been there; she she's been recognised as being there. But he said, well, she doesn't know how to work this thing. Like, you know, why would she use mm. it? And there's a stroke count they call it. There's two things. There's like the press count, which is like how low it goes. And it's down to zero. So it's like, you know, it would completely destroy anything that's in there. They make that point. And then as just before he leaves, it's like, the stroke counts at two. And the, the detective's like, well, what does that mean? It's like, this was raised and done again. And so even for, for 1958, I'm like, that is brutal. Like, you mm. know, you know, you, if you were coming into this, you're like, what is going on? It's um, CSI Montreal right yes yes like yeah. you know i mean these days it would have you know sort of like post law and order like you know 
uh, well, I, she must have had a, a real reason to get rid of her husband. I'd say a, a very pressing reason. <laughs> oh, that's a, that is such a myth pun. But yeah, in a Vincent Price film, that should have really happened. Um, but I like that, like you said, when she's met, like she's, you know, they, they go to see her and she does seem uh, calm and she, you know, they, they're questioning her sanity and stuff. And she's presenting as, you know, she's not denying what she's done. Mm-hmm. She's saying, no, no, I killed my husband but i'm not a murderess like oh i'm completely aware of what i've done it's just the motivations and the the events aren't what you think and then she hears the fly like she sat i think with the housekeeper and then it's that sort of those moments where you're like oh she must be mad because now she's following a fly around and she's sort of like you know protecting it and um all those little bits so that yeah you just keep getting these these little things um which i really like i just think it's really Although it's slow, I like the fact that there's just there's, there's, there's no answer to you, you know, at first. They are going to, like, make you wait uh, until she sort of lays out the um, um, the flashback. Because mm. um, you're right, if this is, if this is all done in chronolo- chronological order, this would be almost like a really daft B-movie. But the way it's done, it's, sort of, it's, it's a much better B-movie. <laughs> yeah, that's quite true. I mean, and of course, we would be sort of you know very bored for much of the film because we mm. get through the good stuff and then you'd get to the climax of the press and then you'd have a whole second act which was like you know following her around is she is she crazy or not and then you'd get to the sort of denouement of the resolution that we have in, in the same order here um but you know and i think that second act works reasonably well too um you know, of course, it's it's a little silly. You know, you don't know where that cat goes. He, you know, he, this yes. cat disappears and yeah. he's sort of in another dimension or something. And you hear him meow, meow around the room. <laughs> um, you know, and, and there's the sort of like usual phony baloney talk about like, you know, I always think about Ed Wood uh, saying, you know, if if. You know, if, if men were meant to fly, we'd have been born with wings. And if, you know, well, someday they'll say the same thing about gravitational transport uh, across solar systems. What the hell are you talking about? You know, but I mean, it's the same sort of like Arthur C. Clarke's worst quote yeah. ever, you know, um, about magic and magic and science. Knowledge. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, I mean, there's a little bit of, of, of that nonsense um about the tv but mm-hmm. you know it's tv transmission but it's also like you can understand how especially at that time you know when this was a relatively new thing it, mm. it really wasn't right the roots of tv go back decades from from 1958 but still it felt like a new thing mm. um uh you know well why can't we transmit atoms you know uh, <laughs> they're just electric well that that makes a certain kind of sense yeah, yeah, I, I, I like uh, it, it. It reaches a comfortable middle ground for me in that sort of um, we're not going to bombard you with technical scientific gobbledygook. I'm not going to try and break it down into some sort of like ridiculous thing that's going to sort of get itself tied in knots. 
but I'm also not going to pass over it. I'm going to give you just enough so you just go, all right, you know, like he does, he talks about how to our touch, you know, he has that plate or the saucer. Uh, mm. you know, to you and I, this feels solid. And he sort of like knocks on it and stuff. And then, but he says, oh, but, but actually, just like you and I, this thing is made up of atoms and it's just an electrical bond and so on and so forth. And so it's mm. just enough for you to go, yeah, that makes sense. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to break that bond send it all somewhere else and then reconstruct that bond and you go fine okay it's enough to be like yeah. i get the gist of what it is you're doing i don't but i don't like you said i don't believe it you know but the more you explain something sometimes the less um you can invest in it, it becomes yeah right? exactly yeah yeah um yeah i think that's true and i and i i quite like the uh dish being inverted Right. It's, you know, with the sort of made in Japan, which is funny that that's a mark of cheapness, clearly, in, in 1958. Yeah. And today it would be like, oh, that means it's very expensive. It made in China, yeah. uh, you know, or, or something else would be, um, you know, um, the, the equivalent today. Um, but it's nice to see how it's inverted and how that's done, this sort of celebration. And then LN realizes, oh, well. It's got this little fault. But then that's never really explained, right? No. Um, it's not really clear how, you know, why the cat disappeared. I mean, all we know is that this is dangerous somehow, and there are things he doesn't understand. I mean, I agree with you about the technology and the, the level of explication that we get, but I also feel like um, that starts to fall apart as he makes statements like, well, I don't even understand how it works. You know, yes. I don't understand why. It's like, well, you you, you fucking should before you're putting <laughs> people through this. Yeah, or even your cat, to be perfectly honest. I mean, that's, yes. there's, there's a real... Um, good, Andre is, a, is, an, is an odd character, uh, and the way he's portrayed is, is kind of odd. Um, the relationship with his wife, where she's sort of like, you know, at one point, like, um, Vincent Price's Francois comes over and he's like, you know, oh, do you know where Andre is? Oh, I, she, she says, I've hardly seen him for two weeks. Yet they seem to have this sort of like loving, um, you know, supportive relationship. Yet she acknowledges like he just disappears into this basement for like weeks on end. Doesn't want to parent, well, no, neither of them want to parent their kid. Like, you know, that's left totally mm -hmm. to the help. Um, mm -hmm. But there's, yeah, there's this sort of like, they still have this relationship. I told him like, oh, okay, you're supposed to be this sort of like obsessed, dedicated scientist. Like he does it again with the, with, that scene with the plate, doesn't it? With the saucer, when Helen identifies that the, the made in uh, Japan is backwards, he doesn't really say anything. He just goes back and sits down and starts writing notes. Mm -hmm. um, and then obviously, you know, they go to the ballet, and he, she catches him writing more equations and notes. And so he's supposed to be this sort of obsessed scientist, sort of stereotype of yeah. Um, and so and even using the cat, you know, would be sort of that thing of like, oh, he's just willing to use the family cat because it's, you know, there's a callousness to that. Like, it's just there to be used. However, the guy who's playing him plays him in such a sort of jovial sort of like, you know, um, David Hedison plays him in such a sort of fatherly kind of sort of, you know, way. that he, all Everything he is portraying, all these traits, all this sort of stuff he's just he's actually doing. I'm like, oh, you're a terrible parent and you're a terrible husband. Like, you know, this this is just... Uh, but yet, everyone sort of, like, seems to be like, la, 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 this is all good. And I'm just like, oh, it, it, yeah, that bit... I was just like, oh, okay, you, you're sort of going to let him off 
like like she says when he does the kill the cat. I mean the cat's dead. Like, you know it's not it's not coming back. So I don't know where it is. Um, <laughs> she's like, well, make me promise that you um you will never you know test on animals again. And he's like, yeah 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 yeah. Not you've literally just killed our cat. Like <laughs> like. Well, she's the stereotype of the supportive wife, right? Of the of the fifties, you know. I mean, yeah. my, my mother aspired to be that, you know, just sort of like, I have married a great man, and my job is to support him, and you know, yes, he neglects me, of course, he neglects the children, but that's the price you pay to be married to a great man, and I just, it's my job to put tea and crumpets outside his door, you know, or have the yes. maid do it. Yes, exactly. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My job is to tell the maid to go feed my husband. That's the, the role. <laughs> I'm it's always baffled life. by Yeah. I'm always, I'm always baffled by these things. This It, it, it seems to be a, a trope I see in some of these films is um, the help as well. Like she's, mm. she's a minor part of this film. Like she doesn't really sort of, she plays a minor part overall. In some of the scenes, but I'm still like, oh, this this, this family can afford help. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they have a li- they have like a living well, house. Quite rich. Or... I mean, this this is yeah, quite a nice house. Yeah. And uh, in, in fact, uh, Vincent Price says as he goes when he goes down into the basement, he says like, I've only been allowed in this lab like three times, and each time I made a fortune. <laughs> you know, it's like, no, this is big business. Yeah. He's, and... he's uh, Reed Richards or something. Yeah, and that's it. But one of the things I'm good at, they, they say that because obviously they've got this um, metal press or this this factory that's like right next to the house, mm-hmm. like you know, um, it's it's backed onto the house basically. Um, and so I understand that they own this business, and so there's this sort of thing. But it, it never, I'm never entirely sure what the the business does. Or and and that scene where yeah. he does say about making the money, I'm like, cool, show me something he's done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> show me something right. that's successful. Like what what has he invented that. You know, maybe he he invented the press that, that eventually kills him. Like you know, he actually constructed it, and it's now more efficient than any other press in the world, or something. I don't know, but like, yeah, it's just. Um... No, I had the same. I had the same question. Like, why is there this industrial press there? Yeah. Um, you know, we're told it's a factory, and I'm willing to let that go at the beginning. But exactly as you point out, at those moments, I start wondering. Right. Well, what were those other three inventions? Yeah. They don't seem related to the field that he is experimenting with, right? Yeah. I mean, so, you know, I, I mean, I can't imagine what they would be um, that you would need a press. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't seem as if there's fats of chemicals or anything lying <laughs> around. He's also not a chemist. Um, you know, what would he possibly have invented? It's a neat idea that he's this sort of like reclusive guy who, you know, if you're led into his lab, you know there's, you know, something big afoot, right? Um, I mean, you know, that's cool. It's a sort of stereotype, but, um, right. But, I mean, it would be far more interesting to sort of flush that out. Yeah. Well, this comes to the point of, you know, when you have these sort of mad scientists or or these science characters, and like, you know, I'm a scientist. Okay, in what discipline? Science! (laughs) Yes. (laughs) No, like physics, chemistry, you know, biology. Like, what? What are you a scientist of? What discipline? Science. Never you mind. Yeah, <laughs> yes. exactly. I'm a. Master. I'm a, uh, I'm a yeah. scientist. I, I study the world. 
That's and it, yeah, all yeah. of the things that God has left unanswered. Don't That's do it, that. yeah. I'm a student of all the disciplines. And you go, oh, all right, fair enough. I'm not going <laughs> to... You know, we're back right, to... Well, Dr. What, what that means is the script writer has no idea. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. We're back to Dr. Cyclops territory where it's like, you know, radiation. And you go, okay, uh, is that what you do? I'm a, yeah, I'm a radiation scientist. Fair enough. <laughs> well, you know, that, that at least is a field within science. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm not sure how it relates to shrinking things, but, you know, those, the, those radioactive rays could do a lot in the 40s and 50s. That's true. They were very useful back then. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you're right. There's this thing about, like, you know, what, what is funding all this? Um, because he also sort of, at one point, he says something um, about Francois coming over and he's bringing, he's asked for some more equipment and it's just like, there you go. Mm. Mm-hmm. All yours. And I'm just like, wow, this guy's really got his back. Like, Vincent Price has really got his back. He just seems to be given whatever he wants. Um, so, yeah, so they must be making money. Um, somehow, yeah, but um, but yeah, it, it's fine. It, you know, the family's all set up. Um, well, let's circle back to this this idea that you were bringing up about uh, his character, and mm-hmm. I, and I think you're right that he's presented as this sort of mad scientist, or at least an obsessional scientist mm. who obviously completely neglects his wife and completely <laughs> neglects his child. Um, but he also is depicted as you know he, he's played by uh david hedison mm-hmm. um who plays him as this sort of genial guy i mean in, in this sort of classic like attractive you know sort of i'm distracted i mean he takes his wife out to you know see the um uh a dance right yes the ballet yeah yeah the ballet and you know he's outside of being distracted in that sort of stereotypical way he's handsome he's charming he knows how to you know woo her a little bit um he's not you you can see somebody sort of falling for this guy he's a kind Mm. of classic leading man sort of type um and then except he's also experimenting on animals and killing them right yeah And and one thing that to sort of tie that together one thing that i found i found very interesting the way that he addresses the problem once once he's been flyized um, right yeah, yeah. Y- you know the way that he he spares her from the site uh you know he's also sparing us from the expense of you know Spend seeing effects. it but yeah yeah of the of the effect um and also you know it's more effective to have it held back and then revealed right but okay, fine. He he's he's compassionate towards his wife, while also totally demanding about what she does. You must step three feet forward and put this specific item on the table, and do not ask me or yeah. stare at me at all. <laughs> um, very. He's obviously very used to being demanding, but he has this compassionate side, and he is so quick to want to destroy himself. Mm. Um, you know, he seems like he's very responsible in that sense, if you can call that responsible. I mean, he seemed, it seems as if and what the movie wants us to think is that he's really gone too far. We've all yes. seen Frankenstein. This is a case of just science has gone too far. And nobody must ever use this except, you know, watch for contamination next time, buddy. 
yeah, this is the thing, isn't it? Sort of the solution to some of these problems are actually incredibly easy, you know, sort of. Um, yeah, they say just don't don't do it, you know. So, so you know, it's the, it's the sort of what's the thing about like the, the knee jerk reaction to it as well. Like, this is the worst case scenario. Um, but I, I also like his other response because, like you say, he he uh about him wanting to destroy himself and like this idea of sort of taking oneself out and destroying all of his records and he eventually does do that but his first solution is to find the fly and to redo the experiment and she's sort of, sorry helen his wife sort of like you know obviously agrees and she sort of suggests him thing i'll go through it again and get the fly and go through it again maybe it'll sort you out you can hear it didn't it combined them before it's not going to unseparate them perfectly yeah. again like it doesn't work like that like you know and this words it sounds silly but like he goes with it it's his fine it, it's worth a try right yeah, mean, yeah, he's, yeah. he's yeah. clearly on point, a path to self-destruction yeah yeah um but i i kind of sort of read it this because i've watched it from a couple of times but this was the first time where in in seeing that where he agrees to it it's almost like he's like as you said like yeah i might as well like there's nothing else to do. Like he's not. It's not like he's going. Well, that's a really valid solution. <laughs> it is yeah. a sort of a. All right. Well, if you can find that fly, the with the you know with the little white head and and the funny arm, then let's give it a go. We'll see what happens. Um, it it doesn't feel like he's going. That is the solution. Which so, mm-hmm. is how I've sort of taken it before. Um. So yeah, he. But he, I don't know. He, it's this thing of the. We had this discussion when we talked about the, the 1986 version with Brundlefly, this idea of the obsessed scientist, some sort of thing, and obviously Jeff Goldblum plays it slightly differently. But the other thing that he says, he has this thing about uh, insect politics in the 1986 version, and how sort of like you know, there are no lawyers, there's no politicians, there's just the you know, the animal thing, there's lack of humanity, and it's really sort of like um, explored a bit more in that film. You know, it's this idea of what is it I'm, am I becoming? Um, but it's it's here as well. But it's sort of mm-hmm. you can, and I like the fact that he is fighting it. And there's a whole section where he's sort of like, I can, I can feel that the strange. It's way described it's quite I can feel strange thoughts. There are strange feelings coming into me, and it's sort of like the fly is taking over. Um, I quite like that. I mean, I, 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 I like quite that like that yeah. that type stuff. Um, you know, and. I think it's fascinating, you know, and sort of like it does put the pedal to the metal as far as like his need to kill himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and, and this idea of sort of losing your sanity, losing your your mind to the, this animal presence, right? I mean, except, you know, of course, you know, it's not much of an animal. Um, you know, it, it, it is a metaphor for like the animal inside us. It's like mm. all of us have an evil predator inside us named a fly. Nah, not, not, not very threatening to me, but, um, yeah, I do. I do like that. Although I am confused about if his head is that of a fly, where, why does he have so much of his humanity? Why does that ebb away? I, I, I agree. Uh, this was a problem for me. Cause like, where's his brain? <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, it, clearly his brain is, partially fly partially mm. him i i have no idea um but then you think it probably wouldn't function very adequately um and then the other thing is you know this ridiculous i mean actually there have been cases of 
of people who do this in real life, who suffer a traumatic brain injury that separates the hemispheres. And mm -hmm. one mm -hmm. hand will sort of do things that are involuntary and they'll fight with each other. But this sort of ridiculous thing of, um, you know, one hand grasping the other hand and fighting the other hand. And the, then the, 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 flies... Doctor, the Doctor Strange love effect. Yes, exactly. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, resisting the Nazi, although it's much funnier in Strangelove. Yeah. Uh, it's intended for comedic effect. And, that, you know, and why is the fly, the fly seems aware of what he's doing and wants to, like, erase the board, you know, like, understands English, you know, clearly, <laughs> you know, seems outright evil. Um, that doesn't seem accurate, right? The, no, it's, it's, it's almost like when, when, because you eventually see, and we'll get to the end, uh, the very end of the 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 punch, the punchline, if you will. But when you do see the the fly, the actual fly, like the little mini house fly, and it has the human face and the human arm, and that's got it's going help me. And it's learned to speak, like it can speak, and it's asking for help. One of the things that sort of I was interested in this time. And it's a stupid. This is. I know how. I, before I even say, it, I know how stupid this this sounds. So you know when he throws the, the cat goes through, and then he sort of like looks mystified, and you hear a meow in the in the atmosphere, and sort of like I'm like, how does that happen? Like it's atom it's atomized. It hasn't got vocal cords. That's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. But I had this idea. I was like, okay, it's out in the ether, and so I was like, okay, well if these two things uh, are blended together like you know in, in, in the 86 version it blends them completely like it's a complete mishmash and becomes a whole new entity but I was like okay well if this is a 50 sci-fi film I'm taking it almost as in like there's, a, there's an inversion sort of like as almost like almost like a transfer of humanity do you know what I mean mm -hmm. like as as the fly takes over the human because that's where the head is as the fly takes over the sort of like the human body, the Andre in the, we see the laboratory at the same time, the Andre is appearing in the, in the fly. Um, mm -hmm. I, I almost wanted, I, I almost want to see, I don't know how you would do it. I'd almost want to see more of that. So there's this, you know, like a little fly with a human head sort of like, you know, starts off like, like eating poop. And it's just like, and then it's like, oh, it's disgusting. What am I doing? <laughs> and, and then, you know, becoming more and more, um, the humanity becoming, you know, more evident in that little blue bottle or little housefly. And so there's almost like that inversion of sort of like that humanity. And I'd, I'd like that, that is how I had to take it. And it's that, um, the, the, the push and pull between the two, you know, that's causing this sort of this conflict. That's not what that's not what's in the film, but that's mm. how I wanted to take it. Yeah, I I found myself wondering about that too, and sort of wondering what that the flies half of that journey was like. Mm. Um, you know, it does seem as if it as it is. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we are speculating that it is sort of becoming more human as the fly is, as the scientist is becoming more fly-like. That's utter speculation on mm -hmm. our part. Um, having said that, I mean, obviously it's logical. And I, and I find myself wondering, like, is it, has it been following uh, Ellen around? Um, you know, I mean, it seems as if it has. Um, and Francois, it appears on his desk. Yeah, right, right. So, 
you know, I mean, is that him wanting to be with his family? Um, obviously, it puts him at risk. I mean, what has this been like? And yeah, I mean, you could go for, um, you know, the sort of eating poop sort of stuff. <laughs> um, but but you could also go for sort of like, how do I communicate with my family? You know, how do I, you know, get them to understand? My God, I mean, what what is what is how does he respond to realizing that Ellen has murdered his other body and there's no <laughs> going back, right? Um, yeah. But the movie can't do that because, and, and I do appreciate, I love the way it's structured, right? I love the mm. murder mystery and then this reveal and then this denouement that has its own twist at the end, right? Mm -hmm. You know, it's all very good. It's, I, I'm quite happy with it. But because of that choice, you know, you cannot then... I mean, think about how unsatisfying it would be yes, if, exactly. if at the end it's like, right, he got he got smashed. Well, let's flash back to, you know, like as they lay dying in the spider web, you know, like yeah. here's my version. Yeah, there's a Pixar waiting to be there's a Pixar film waiting to be made about that. Like, that's what's the fly story. Um, no, you're right because you need that uh, the reveal at the end to be as horrific as it is um and it is i mean that, that we'll, we'll get to it but that ending is proper like yeah proper um brutal and, and, and but fascinating um but yeah as, the, the, is, as is the the other fly right as is the other combination oh yeah right? both. i mean it's a real monster oh yeah the ending of both the, the you know the, the the sort of demise of it both is is well they both get crushed the as reveals, well. right yeah yeah um but the, the thing I like is, um, what was I say is, uh, you, you this idea is brought up that this fly is in the house. Mm. You know, they, they keep referring to it as this, this the the fly with the little white head. Uh, you know, and that you see it sort of dotted around. So they must have caught a fly and put like tipex on it or something. Yeah. Um, but it's there. It's in the house. So to me, yeah, there's definitely an element of it sticking around. Um. And it going out into the garden is obviously to me, you know, there's, there's a moment where they, they, uh, they're in the sort of like the living room. They've been told to look for this fly and the little boy, Philippe, has got his net um, and stuff. And they're trying to catch this fly. And they, for a brief second, they do. And it, it gets caught, caught behind the curtains. And there's a crack in the window. And it and sort of zips outside. And that's it. Then. That, that, that sort of seems to be. But um, how does that window get cracked? I thought it was already cracked. Oh, it is. There's, there's a whole, yeah. there's a whole like corner piece missing. Which Why the like... fuck do they have a window with a cracked corner? I, yeah, I love the fact it's such, it's such a sort of plot device because like the rest, <laughs> as you said, we, we've talked about how wealthy they are and clearly how sort of like how immaculate the rest of the house is, apart from this one convenient pane of glass. <laughs> um, and again, it's one of those stupid things where. There's such an easy, sensible solution to this, um, you know, where somebody walks in the front door and the doors open and it just zips out the floor at the, the front door. Like you don't need to be like you know, mm. this whole convoluted mm -hmm. thing with the glass and stuff. It's, um, but it's yeah. Among the things that I am most puzzled by, or that I feel are most out of sync with reality in this film, surely. Very high on that list has to be how easy it is to catch flies in this movie. Um, <laughs> yes. Now, you know, I 
you know, I remember one of the things that actually, uh, when I first uh, went to Europe, shocked me the most was A, how big the flies were, mm. uh, especially on the continent, and B, that they were slow. You could yeah. actually swat them. And in the, in the, on the American continent, good luck, right? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, maybe I've seen people with a swi- fly swatter get lucky once or twice. Um, there is no point to having that device. You're better <laughs> off like spraying chemicals or something, you know, because at least you can do it from a distance and they won't yeah. see it coming. But I mean, nobody can. How the hell are they catching flies, let alone that, that, Kid catching like twenty in a jar or something. I, was say, I, love, I love the fact he's got a jar of them. Yeah, it's so um, easy for them. Yeah, it's so bizarre. It is. It's a very sort of again. It's that sort of. It's a, it's a it's a sort of like a plot device, isn't it? Just to keep going. It's quite funny when you, the kid comes in with this like jar full of flies, and I'm just like, wow. What are they doing? What? Yeah, is... you've spent a good afternoon down by sort of like the compost heap. I, I, I don't know what the point of this is. I mean, you know, that might be true of like a moth. You can catch moths like that. I, I mean, I, I just find that baffling. It's like, yeah, I, I, have, you, I, have you ever <laughs> seen a fly? If you're gonna yeah. make a movie, um, but yeah, no, I agree. That bit made me does make me chuckle when the kids sort of running around with his butterfly net trying to capture flies. Um, but like you say, it's this 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 thing of like, I, I would like to know. Well, no, I wouldn't want to know. Now you're right because the more I think about it, like I, I, do, I wouldn't want the end reveal and the end twist to be spoiled. I, I want that, but it's clearly indicated like there's a, there's a, um, a reversal. You know, there's, there's been a switch, and you're just not going to get to see it. Um, but what I, wanted, I do want to talk about actually is about the the reveal that we get, mm-hmm. and I want to talk about the fly um, special effects. Now, as you say, it's kept hidden for the most part. It wears like a, a, a like a, a towel or a, a piece of material over his head, and keeps his hand in his pocket so you don't see things for a long time. Now, when it is revealed, firstly the arm, and you see the hand, and it's like a claw kind of thing. But it is like the bottom of a fly's leg. It's 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 you know it looks very good. I was quite impressed with it, actually. And then the reveal of the head. Um, I you know it, it, it's, it's not going to scare me in in any way, shape, or form. But like, it's it's actually really good. Um, yeah. I, I, you know, the, I'm, I'm not sure if it's color. Did you watch this in color or black and white? Was it was in, in color. It is yeah. color, yeah. Because the colors have they got like the greeny sort of emerald looking eyes and the 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 the, you know, the fly head is that black and blue sort of like it's got that hue, and it's got all the bits and pieces and the proboscis and all this other stuff. Like it's a good looking. Um, headpiece that, that that you know they've created, and I like that the, the effect of having it's revealed. Like she screams, and then you go to the fly eye view of the many mm. of her sort of uh, screaming, um, is um, really well done. I mean, you know, it's it's I actually really enjoy that whole sort of the reveal scene. Yeah, I do too, and I, and I of course think immediately this is not how flies perceive you know yeah. uh but who cares i'm totally willing to justify it because it's so effectively done mm. right and and the point is i mean we'll we'll see a lot of this um you know whether it's like terminator or you know um other sort of attempts to depict 
what it's like for some sort of alien uh, presence, right, or other animal. Um, but that you know, and it, it, that's the point, right? Is that it's just very different. Mm. Um, yeah. So, and I think that reveal is very effective. Um, and she screams a bit. You know, I mean, the screams are kind of a weak part of this movie. I mean, the scream <laughs> by the assistant, uh, you know, the worker at the at the death is sort of so poorly edited that it seems as if it's delayed by like 20 seconds it, um, it's supposed to like blend into something else doesn't it but it's like yeah, yeah. say it's so badly done it doesn't really work which is quite funny and, yeah. and so her scream is much better at, at mm. discovering her husband has a fly his head and and yeah the more you see it the more it looks like right that's a mask um, oh yeah but it is it is i think it is very effective i and i quite like the reveal scene and her scream and and that perspective shot yeah it's it's um it's one of those things it's, it's a, one of those moments you get in a film isn't it with these things we make or break like you know if they revealed it and it looked awful um you know and then she reacted like that and you sort of go oh, okay well you know and obviously, you see this in some films, don't you? That they'll reveal like a monster, or they'll reveal yeah. something that's supposed to be horrifying, and you go, "Yeah, yeah, it just doesn't look good." Like you know, it's, it's <laughs> or it's especially worse when it's sort of really poor CGI, and it's clearly sort of like separate from the environment it's in, and you're like, "Oh, well, that's a shame." Um, but the, the, to me, I mean, this is tactile. It's, it's a mask. It's physically there. Like it's you know, it's it's been done, and I always we always seem to appreciate that more. Um, but yeah, I just, I just, I just like it. And then obviously she faints. Um, the, like I say, the only thing that's that kind of ruins it, doesn't it, but kind of affects it, is that sort of the the two arms fighting to <laughs> to do different things. But during that time, which looks daft. Um, but I like the fact that, like you know, this is where he makes that decision. Like her reaction is the final sort of nail in the coffin. Like he knew that there was no real way back kind of thing, but then to have her sort of like scream and faint is him going like, Oh, well, yeah, this is, this is me done now. You know, I'm, uh, um, you know, we've got to sort of stop this. That's where he starts to destroy all the machinery and his notes and all that sort of stuff. So the decision is made. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I know it's a trope. I know he's got to destroy the machinery. Um, and, and again, I like the film. I am just puzzled by, you don't have to do this, man. You know, like, and this, I mean, this is, he makes that speech about how important this is in the history of humanity. You know, mm. like, we're going to be able to transport food, right? I mean, tr the cost of transportation and the dangers involved are, obviously are um, a huge part of um, what civilization has struggled with. Mm. Um, and we continue to struggle with, um, but making that those costs, uh, transportation cheaper and more, uh, uh, if more efficient and more effective, less dangerous has been the key to a global economy, right? Yeah. That's why we have avocados in, in winter, you know, um, of course, you know, as a as a white man in, in uh, you know uh, of my age in America, that's the first thing I think of, right? I know I'm a, I'm a cliche, but you know, this is the most important part of the global economy, my fucking avocado. Um, but you know, I mean, it, it's it's a miracle, and so he understands what this could mean for mm -hmm. human history, and yet, and he even talks about space colonies. So he's yes. thinking about the future, like 
look, we're going to, you know, you could have a colony. He doesn't quite go this far, but we could have a colony on the moon or have a colony on Mars. You know, teleport some oxygen over there. Teleport some food over there. They, they could teleport their, their waste back. Um, mm. You know, you suddenly don't have to terraform anything. Like, this is amazing. But then he's like, right, yeah, I'm not happy that I, you know, like, an animal could get in there. A fly could get in there. So, you know, screw it. I'm just going to demolish all of this. You know, fuck humanity. Well, yeah, it, it is It is. It is a sort of a, uh, this reaction. But that's the point, is this blind reaction. But you're right, like they say, there's, there's, there's that sort of cost-benefit where really, like, firstly, it's his own fault because he rushed it, much like, you know, Brundle, that sort of the point. But... Um, yeah, there's clearly a solution to this. Because um, the other thing is, you know, this is the one thing, we, we, the one way this always falls down, and I think we may have even said this with uh, 86 version, is we have living things living on us and in us mm. all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to bring this up, that this is something that really bothered me, you know, about the, the remake. Yeah. Um, it's like, we have, yeah. you know, now we understand, like, you know, our microbiome makes decisions for us, mm. you know, it's responsible for allergies, it's responsible for basic, you know, our cravings of foods and, you know, what foods make us sick, um, you know, whether we have intestinal disturbances from one food or cravings for another. You know, we, you know, I mean, not to mention there's bacteria on everything. Why does the machine, you know, in interpolate a fly is a problem, but not, you know, I mean, the milk uh, that the cat was drinking was organic, yeah. you know. Um, why is it not combining the cat with the milk? Maybe well, it did. I mean, I... Yeah, but why is it Why is it only organic matter? Because yes. then obviously, you said that the plate through is one thing, but again, the plate's made up of different things. It could be like you know, clay or porcelain, then paint, and so on and so forth. But he sends through like a bottle of champagne and glasses. I'm like, okay, well, that's a bottle. That's tin foil whatever over the top of it that's champagne inside that's two crystallized glasses mm -hmm. should that not come out as one big <laughs> <laughs> you know mess and massive things like i don't know how does that work well it's this it's this problem in the way we conceptualize things right mm -hmm. you know that we think to us that is a cat that's milk that's a separate glass right that's you know we have to see it that way but that's not the way it really is mm -hmm. um What's confusing is the way in which that does seem to be the case in some way. <laughs> um, you know, you can move that glass around and we know its atoms are, you know, its atoms, its molecules are, um, you know, tied together, right? So that's what defines its unity. And yet, you know, it, it's very strange, this concept of identity and, and where one object stops, where I end and you begin, or I yeah. end and the table begins. It's very strange to me. Well, because well, the thing as well is, you know, we talk about, about living things, so we make a comparison between organic and inorganic. But the other thing to think about, like, if he'd had a fish dinner just before he went and got into that thing, like, would, he come out, <laughs> would he come out as a fish? Like, Yeah, or, you know... He, he's got a, a cow hoof and he's like what what's happened here oh yeah. right i had that burger yeah exactly uh, yeah like it's you know it's, it's it's this thing about the science again isn't it sort of you know you don't want to explain it too much 
because it does it starts to unravel very very quickly um which is why these things aren't possible you know that's what teleportation most likely isn't possible because of these sorts of you know we now learn more and more about they say the more micro- microbiotic environment and how things work but yeah maybe well, it's, i don't know but i mean the other thing is that in in both this and the and the um remake and and i rather like the sort of old-timey computer bank mm. uh, behind it with the, with the lights going um it, it it looks pretty good um but with both there's a sort of like suggestion it's more it's more apparent in the remake right that the computer what is that computer doing that that computer what it should be doing is just sort of scanning i mean this is why it's so improbable it, it should be scanning the entire makeup the atomic makeup of yeah. everything in the box right and yeah. knows where to stop i mean or there's some analog version of this that just gets it like a tv emission you know as is the metaphor that's used here gets it close enough right yeah um the fidelity is close enough that yeah okay whatever probably something living would still die right with that level of fidelity but no okay but it's got to be it's scanning inside things right mm. otherwise that animal the guinea pig would die instantly right it's not simply producing the surface of things so you know it's it's some machine that's doing this and that should be a sort of like automatic scanning effect yet it seems to know the difference between a, a person and a fly and then but it's got to identify what those are to then mix it yeah if it can identify what they are then why do you think you have to mix them i don't know no this is the thing not, saying, shouldn't, we shouldn't think this much right no no, no yeah, you're right it's, it's, it's not designed to be sort of you know thought you know interrogated <laughs> to this level it's not it, it just you know that's the thing isn't it it starts to fall apart even in this even in the remake like, you know they sort oh, of they, uh-huh. they recognize this to an extent, because they used to they have that computer where it sort of like it does the the, the rendering of an image mm. of what it is, whether it be one of the baboons or whether it be a, you know whatever they are, and then Brundle, and then it shows the fly, and it sort of combines them. It makes a decision in and of itself. It says, "Well, we was told there was one item in here, so mm. one item will come out of it." That was the point. Like it's tra- it's we're traversing one thing. Um. But the, you know, and at least one of the things. What's interesting is they they both the this version, the fifty eight version, and the eighty six version, um, highlight a failure, you know, um, in 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 very very different ways. Like obviously in this case you have uh, the cat that that is just like just doesn't turn up, and then he's sort of like left to sort of float in the ether. You know, so like is it like some consciousness that is now floating around there sort of meowing and stuff and obviously in the remake they have, <laughs> they have the they have the um the the the, the gibbon or whatever it's i forget which more time of ape it is but he has a thing and it doesn't work it's like it's inside out or it's it hasn't been reformatted correctly you just sort of see the bloody stump thing come out oh, yeah. um and so they want to show that this thing is dangerous and they want to show that the science isn't perfect um but unfortunately, sometimes those imperfections or showing those imperfections then sort of leads you to the more question because then highlights you, okay, cool. How do you solve that? 
Mm. You know, like, okay, there's, there's some, um, there's, I know there's a couple of lines given to it in um, the 86 version where Brundle sort of says something about matter or something uh, being alive. And he, he didn't tell the machine that it was alive and that's why it sort of it didn't work. Which, mm -hmm. But makes it makes no sense. But like, but in this, he just sort of goes, tweaks a few things. He says, well, I redesigned. He actually says, I redesigned the machine. You know, that sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> Right, and and in what sense? Yeah. You know, like I mean, you redesign the machine. Are you talking about the apparatus? Clearly, there are bigger booths, mm. but that doesn't change the underlying technology. No. So yeah, you know, this is the thing. As I said, we shouldn't reinterrogate really it to this level. Mm -hmm. It's not the 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 technology is not is the science isn't designed to be interrogated to this level, and just doesn't doesn't hold up. Um, however, like I say, it, it is it is fun to think about. Um, what, one thing I was curious about, because obviously, you know, and I want to throw this in, because this is, um, is, how to, it's, it's almost like the, the relationship dynamic of what is going on. And they obviously want to have, um, because Vincent mm. Price is in this, and this is, this is, this is bandied around as a Vincent Price film. It's up there, you know, it was one of his sort of, his horror oeuvre, um, kind of thing, one of his early ones. You know, this is the same year as The, the Tingler. Mm, mm hmm um, and so what's interesting is like he plays such a small part in this, but also like, even the character of Francois, like you know, you see that you have how genial and, and sort of like likable sort of Andre is as this sort of uh, you know obsessive scientist. Francois seems to hang around the family, just waiting for him to die so he can move <laughs> in on his wife's on his you know his his, his brother's family. Because uh, even the, even the detective, the inspector, at one point yeah. says like you know. It's clear that you love Helene, and he's like, "Yes, I do, but it's my my brother's wife." And the, the inspector even said, "Well, you you were a first suspect, right? Yeah, I quite <laughs> like that. Yeah, I like the fact that it's it's it's, it's laid up, but yeah, it is in doing so, it does kind of highlight like he's there as this sort of like benevolent uncle and, and all this mm -hmm. other stuff, and like more of a father figure to Philippe than his own father." Mm -hmm. But it never goes anywhere, so it's kind of frustrating. They have this almost like a love triangle, but not. It's 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 you know it doesn't really create enough drama for me. I was like, oh, if you're gonna have something where, mm. um, I see what you mean, right? It it doesn't find the meat of that. That's just kind of like, the the background, yeah. Stuff. And and it's there to kind of give the film a happy ending too, right? Because you know at the end he is there and he is essentially the new dad. Mm. Uh, you know, right. My brother died and he died kind of nobly, you know, uh, Francois says he was searching for truth, uh, but for him, it was careless. Yeah. Um, you know, like my lionized great brother, uh, he was such a great scientist. Well, those days are over and now you've got a more caring dad. Um, and, and they sort of walk off together at the end. So it's sort of a happy ending. It is. It is a weirdly right. Let's talk about the ending because I actually I have a version of this film that mm. I as a as a Vincent Price movie that I wanted. That watching okay. it this time, I was like, I want that version. So the end of this film is uh, Helen has given her recounting of the, the events that led up to the press, and you find out how she actually um, assisted in his suicide. Like she, you, you, she's very right. She's not a murderess. Like it's an assisted suicide, you know, sort of thing in the press. Um, it's done. It's just done. I, I kind of like the way it's done. I think that there's a moment she just does the head and she's missed the arm. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And when the press goes up, like the body slumps. And I was a bit like, oh, that's cool. Like, there's a good little, and she puts the arm in and redoes it. That's why it's done twice. So I was like, cool. All right. I'm getting that. That's fantastic. Um, Having seen the head and the arm, though, once they lift that press up, like it should be, there should at least mm. be something behind her. They'd be like, that's not a human head. <laughs> mm. But besides the point, so she's given. Um, well, I mean, if it's cru- it depends what the force is, right? If it's crushed to perfectly flat. Yeah. Know, okay. Yeah. But yeah. then there's not enough blood, right? I mean, then yeah. you have the problem. Like it's a '50s movie. I want to see that Cronenberg body horror stuff, right? <laughs> Oh, look, I thought about the Terminator as well, like the yeah. ending of the first Terminator film. I was like, oh, that's very sort of like, you know, clearly taken. That's very cool. Um, but then obviously, like, she, she's told that she explains to them, but, you know, and, and, and um, uh, Francois and the, the inspector in the room, and they're like, okay, thank you very much. And they leave, and Francois's like, look, it's true. Like, you know, you have to accept it. Like, this is, you know, is she mad? Like, she can't be mad. And the inspector says, like, find me the fly. You know, I will believe you. Oh, it might be the doctor, I can't remember, but like, find me the fly. That will, will make me believe. Mm-hmm. And then so Francois leaves and he's, he's, he's a bit, you know, um, perturbed and upset. And he sat on this bench and all of a sudden you just hear this, help me, help me. And you see there's a large spider's web next to it. And as they're sort of going to leave, they hear it. And the little boy says, oh, there's the fly. He's seen it, so he's looking for it. And you see the sort of human head and arm attached to this fly thing trapped in a uh, spider's web and the spider getting closer. And I was like, again, that spider effect that they've done um, is very good. Like, I really enjoy that because it gets very close. Like, it's really close up. And just so that the... Um, well, and this is... Been, it's, you, know, you know, the spider goes in to eat him and then the inspector and everything, or, or you know, the doctor, the inspector, yeah. having now seen it, picks up a rock and, and squashes them both. Yeah, so, I mean, what's good about this, before before we get to how, how you want to rewrite <laughs> this and improve this, um, which will no doubt be fascinating, but, but I do want to say that, you know, at first, Vincent Price doesn't hear it. Mm. And we hear it, and we see it, and he walks away, and we have the sort of, we don't see the um, um, close up with a, with a head and arm of a human, but we see the the sort of like white out put on a, yes. a fly's head, right? So we know that's the fly and it's about to get eaten. And we know that's the brother somehow, right? Um, so there is this kind of like existential horror and of the the fly being destroyed, but also something I quite love, which is the unseen. Right, mm-hmm. the, the audience sees this and has a horror that um, Francois doesn't. But then later, Francois, uh, you know, you have the problem of Philippe, the son, has has seen this, and it's just like, yeah, that I I know where that fly is. It's about to be eaten. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like very strange, right? You you think that he would have said something or saved the fly or or you know whatever, and then. Um, and then, having heard this, Francois's immediate response is to run up to the inspector instead of like, "That's my brother, yeah. um, my the woman I love, my, you know, my uh, sister-in-law is about to go to jail um, or a mental institution. I need to run out there immediately and rescue this fly." Instead, he runs upstairs the opposite direction mm. to the inspector. I found that 
fascinating and, and very strange. Um, and then, of course, they go out and see it, and the inspector crushes the fly. And well, um, Francois has a wonderful line, which is like, "You realize you've done exactly what Ellen did, right? Yes. You have smashed one of these two hybrid forms. You're as guilty as she is." Mm-hmm. And then they concoct sort of Chinatown style to cover this up, which is quite. Well, this is all good stuff, right? Oh, With the exception of. You know, running to the inspector to to yeah. make the plot work. Yeah, if it was, if he was if he was there, it would be a lot easier sort of thing. But I love it all. I, I do think the ending is is really really good. Uh, and I I think you said the, there's there's two tones to the to the horror. That like you said, I agree that existential dread is like that. It's it's like that. One of my greatest fears is being dropped into the middle of the ocean on my own and drowning a lot. You know, drowning there alone. You know, just that that knowing that there's no one there to save you and you're eventually going to tire and drown. Like that that terrifies me, the unknown sort of thing. And it's the same thing as well. Being trapped in a spider's web, knowing this fly is about to, you know, drain you of all your internal fluids and eat you. But no one's going to see it. No one's going to sort of, like, is there to help you. It's just horrible. And then to see the, the spider coming on him and stuff, it's done very well. Like, it is really, I, I really enjoy this. My my, let's get. Do you mind if I sort of just yeah, give my no, t- let's go slight twist on this? I'm very used to Vincent Price being the the villain in many cases. Now in the fifties, he was still sort of he played he played hundreds of roles, like you know, or tens at least, sort of, um different kinds of things. But I always like Vincent Price to sort of like the villain, everything from like House of Wax, even through to sort of like mm. House on Haunted Hill. Like I love that sort of suave campiness that you get. And in this, he's playing that very benevolent uncle, the brother of the, you know, the family is there as sort of like the benefactor and all sort of stuff. What I, what I was, I would want is you don't see Helene leaving the, the, the compactor at the beginning. You just, you just find the body. Mm-hmm. You know, you just find the body, and so it's more of a murder mystery. Like, who did this to Andre? Like, you know, we don't, we're not suspecting the wife. It could be, you know. There's multiple suspects. Have it like as a proper murder mystery to be found. And then what I'd like to say, what 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 I would have is when you get the final, when you finally get the flashback, and I, I would still have Helen re- retell it or re- retail this thing. So it's from her perspective. I would actually have it that both her and Francois are aware mm. of of the disaster, of the the accident that's happened. And eventually, you know, it would be that this this almost like Francois is basically the villain, and he then sees this as mm-hmm. his opportunity to get Helene. Right. But he yeah. doesn't want to be sort of like the true villain of this piece. And so it's actually him that starts to manipulate both Helene and, and the fly Andre to get to reach the conclusion is there's no answer to this. Yeah, you have you to can't, kill yourself. You, you need to be destroyed, you know, and all this yeah. other stuff. Right. Um, you know, and he sort of has, you know, has manipulated the situation so that that's what happens. I mean, you could still have Helen be the the, the suspect, mm-hmm. but then at the end, what I'd have is is him sat there, sort of like you know him, and when he looked worried, is that thing of like that fly might still be out there. Mm-hmm. No, it's not not that the, not that's going to take revenge. I don't think this sort of minuscule, right. but like the evidence is still sort of there, and then him seeing the fly in the, um in the uh, web, web. Yeah. in the spider's web, and he's like, help me! And actually sort of acknowledging it and then walking away. Yeah. Um, you know, and then going to set up this family, because you can exactly the same ending, sort of like setting up this family. 
and even then you could have sort of like Helen saying sort of like you know what do you think will happen the, 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 this clearly this other one what do you think will happen and he's like oh well you know you never know it's a dangerous world out there or something like you know I, I almost want him to be the villain of the piece but sort uh-huh. of you know getting away with it um yeah I think that's quite good and and I I sort of saw where you were going to go mm-hmm. there um I think that I felt some of that just watching it for the first <laughs> time and sort of thinking not so much because of Vincent Price I mean who I who I think you know um I've seen him in so much and I, he's sort of like fun to watch but he's mm-hmm. not a great actor no, you no, know no, and, no, and yeah. he's sort of like a a bit of a weak point here um but it's fun to he's always fun to watch he's one of those actors mm-hmm. who it's like yeah, I, d- I don't know that he's a good actor, but I'm I'm down to watch a Vincent Price movie, sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, but um, yeah, I did sort of feel even the first time through, like, um, you know, has he found the fly and and killed the fly? I mean, partially because he does lie, mm. he does lie to um, you know, his beloved Ellen to get her to confess. He says, "Oh yeah, I've got the fly," and she sort of not having any proof says oh okay well then i'll tell you the truth you know you've seen it already she Mm. assumes um and then he says i I never had it right i've lied to you um and you're going to a mental institution so the the only problem the only problem with what you've got is there's got to be a slight rewrite to have the cop on his own without seeing the, the fly decide you know, oh, she's remanded into your care or something, right? Um, you know, and if you really want to push in the um, the Vincent Price evil sort of thing, then you have Vincent Price say, um, you know, you have Francois sort of hold it over Ellen, you know, and say like, well, you know, you sound, she says like, I wonder, you know, if he's out there, and, you know, I hoped you wouldn't do anything to him. And he says, now, 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 you know, mm-hmm. uh, that sounds very crazy. I'm sure the inspector, you know, can't let the inspector know that you're having that kind of thought. And you yeah. sort of realize, yeah, he's basically killed his brother twice mm-hmm. and also, uh, you know, has this woman living in fear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. yeah, I, I, I'd like that. I think you know that slight twist of uh, of uh, Vincent Price being somewhat of a villain, somewhat mm-hmm. like an out and out villain. I think would be quite good fun actually. It would be a different film. I think it would be a very different film. But um, you know, I, I, that's not to say I don't like what we get because I do. I actually really enjoy this this film. I think it works. Um, it works very well actually. I think it works. You know. Um, one of the things we've done as we've looked at these things is is we've obviously made some you know we need to make some comparisons with really. it you know we talked about obviously we did the sequel to uh, Godzilla and so this is this is a sort of a, a, the original comparing it to eighty six um, they're two very different films uh, in the way that in the way they approach things you know obviously eighty six is much about the body horror and then Cronenberg brings all kinds of grossness to it. Um, but it's still, and if anything, actually, the character, there's a character in the second one who is her editor, is Gina Davis's editor. It's clearly almost like the Vincent Price kind of character. It's exactly what yeah. I just said. It's almost like the Vincent Price character. Mm-hmm. Um, but you still get the sacrifice at the end of the, you know, the Fly 86 and, yeah. um, you know, all those bits. Um, 
and they are two very different areas. But like you know, I don't want to say which is better, but like you know. But one of the things I was interested, I was intrigued by it, you know, as I watched this is uh, for 58, you know, we watched obviously The Tingler, which is way more into sort of like, it's a bit silly and it's sort of, it's, it's designed to be a sort of, um, uh, what's it, castle film. William Castle. Yeah. Well, yeah, so it's designed to be like, you know, buzz seats and all that kind of stuff. But I was surprised, I, like, by the time you get to this, like, this film is a proper, like, horror, like they're leading into sort of like some of that stuff. And I was actually yeah. really impressed. I mean, you know, it's it's really a sort of monster movie, mm. um, you know, whereas, yeah, it, it, it sort of reflects, both of them are sci-fi horror, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, but this sort of reflects, as, you know, as many of the 1950s sci-fi movies, even the ones that we've covered, do, um, a kind of, um, you know, the, the monster era, right? Yes, yeah. Um, so the fly is essentially, you know, a, a new sort of Jekyll and Hyde, Frankenstein, you know, Dracula. I mean, you know, he, he's clearly that sort. Um, there's that influence there. Whereas in the Cronenberg one, which I do think is better, mm. um, although I like both of them in, in different ways, the Cronenberg one is coming from a sort of darker place of, of 1980s horror and obviously is very you know in in terms of the relationships is very keen to uh distance itself from the 1950s depiction of femininity uh with helen's perfect composure almost you know uh and dutifully serving her scientist husband um and and i think it changes everything to have the scientist not be married right Mm. Yeah, I agree. Actually, I think you know when when you look at if you were to take sort of Andre and put him, you know, um, against Seth Brundle, um, yeah, they have that same sort of obsession um, and and that recklessness, you know, that we see with the the cat in the fifty eight version. But like you say, it's much more accentuated in uh, the eighty six version. Like you know, Br- Brundle is way more sort of like um impatient you know he becomes more impatient and stuff and and if anything i actually think sort of like uh with the with the with the brundlefly with 86 like they really lean into the idea of um sort of not 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 so much science gone too far but like um scientists out of control you know like Mm -hmm. he's almost like he is he you know he is a victim of his own hubris you know that's sort of the point and it's sort of that sort of what builds up in that film that's less so in 58 because he's, he's obviously a bit more mm. genial mm-hmm. and sort of like you know <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a happy husband and a good father um and that's he's, he's a leading man whereas yeah, jeff goldblum exactly. is not i mean yeah. jeff goldblum is a weirdo who yes. you know can't uh ask you know about your apartment in a uh, commercial without seeming th- absolutely bizarre and weird and creepy and that's yeah. part of the appeal of jeff goldblum um but I, I like what you're saying about sort of that that context of that hubris because it's also true that in in 58 the scientist is a he's part of a, a company and the company mm-hmm. is you know the the lombra company right um but he, um, 
we don't really know what that company produces, right? Except that nope. it's got a factory and it's got a press, right? Um, so there is this sort of like very pleasant depiction of capitalism going on, right? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, golly gee, capitalism is like, you know, the smiling face on the on the poster, you know, a sort of, uh, you know, you read your Newsweek and you see, um, you know, David Hedison as, you know, Andre Delambre, you know, the... Uh, the smiling future of someone's, you know, plastics or whatever, right? Yeah. Whereas by the time you get to uh, the 86 one, um, you know, capitalism is being questioned, not just, you know, the 50s version of femininity is out the window, but this idea that, like, right, everybody with money, every company is filled with upstanding men who are, you know, yeah. uh, great fathers and, you know, deserve their place. Uh, and instead, it's like, well, no, I, I've got this money, but I'm a weird inventor. Money is still a problem, is an issue there. Um, and there is this cult of celebrity of uh, mm. Gina Davis's character meeting him to interview him, to try mm. to land this uh, interview, which is a very different kind of culture, celebrity culture, than anything we see here. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. Actually, I mean, the, the, the thing to highlight is that I mean, the cast in both is very small. You know, I mean, this is a, the, the nineteen fifty eight version, a very self contained film. Um, it, you know, it, the only time it leaves the house is to go to the ballet. Mm. You know, the the factory is literally out their back door, <laughs> which is weird in and of itself. Uh, it's a very small film. You know, the majority of the film takes place either in the house or in the basement. Like that's you know, every now and then you see sort of Francois's office, but it could easily just be in the in the, the factory next door. Like it's all very contained. Or the yard, you know. Yeah, yeah, there's, yeah. There's, you just it's all sort of around the house. Um, and yet, like you say, with the '86 version, although it is still a, a very small film, it's got a very self-contained thing. The objective is different. Because um, really, what it's like, it's all, there's always this push for exposure. Like you know, she's a journalist. She's going to the editor of this magazine. She wants to take photos. She wants to make him famous. Like it's trying to be a bigger thing. Whilst sort of the '58 version is more of a sort of like a family horror drama. Um, mm. Yeah, there's almost like an exploitation level to uh, the '86 version. Um, about, like you say, about celebrity, about becoming famous, and about sort of like, you know, I think there's even a line in it about him, you know, being on the front of Time magazine or something like that. So mm -hmm. there is that sort of, you know, credibility that must be given to this character. Um, so yeah, they, they've got very different um, agendas or very different sort of like the ways that they view things. But I also think that comes to the end of the film as well. Um, when it comes to the end of the film, um, I suppose it's the way they, they sort of go about things, but in, in the first, in the 58 version, it's very much about protecting his family. You know, mm. he, he, he literally starts fighting his own arms to, to protect his wife. And it's, it, it, as you said, that conclusion of suicide comes about very quickly, um, which is fine. In and he says right on the blackboard, like, don't come near me, right? Yeah. And like underlines it, right? Yeah. Because he's... A threat. Yeah, he knows he's becoming dangerous. With the eighty-six version, like it actually sort of culminates at one point when she finds out she's pregnant, she's going for an abortion. Like 
he literally comes and gets her. Like he he kidnaps her from the the, the abortion center, the doctors. And you're a bit like, and he is going to make her go through the uh, the pods. Like he's going to force her to go through the pods. Now I don't know if it's going to be with with him. I think he is, isn't he? He's going to blend all yeah, three of them together. Right. That's right. And that, so there's a look at the uh, solution is you know because because there's no possibility of like finding the original f- fly and going through again and hoping for the best, right? So I I did think I did kind of miss that as an escalation, right? Mm. There's some place to go. With his um, his threat, right in the Goldblum. A slightly different way of having a nuclear family, isn't it? Like you know, yes. <laughs> in one body. Um, I, I can't help but point out half of America would be cheering now for uh, going and, and getting her to, you know, force her to give birth. Yes, um, maybe one day we'll cover the fly too, and we actually get to see that birth. But. Um, yeah, it's just interesting, like I say, that they take that scientist fact, that, that idea, and obviously that lack of, that losing of humanity and the desperation, and where it becomes a sort of like an instant sacrificial act in, in the 58 version of, like, well, that's my answer. Like, Brundle goes through a couple before he sort of reaches the conclusion of like, no, 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 I've, I've sort of reached my final uh, evolution, you better blow my brains out, sort of thing. <laughs> Um, it's almost spontaneous that he sort of, you know, he's decayed. He never gets a speech where he reverses himself and says, oh, you need you need to kill me. Um, he just lifts the shotgun to his head at the end. Yeah. It's like, I don't want to live like this anymore. Yeah, I this recognize. Is, yeah, this isn't as cool as I thought. <laughs> I, I, I didn't get wings. It, all, it actually kind of sucks. Um <laughs> Yeah, it's it's interesting, sort of like you say that, that there's more of a cynicism in the in the '86 version. Mm-hmm. You know, it's sort of which I kind of like, and I've always I always like that, especially about '80s films that sort of often remembered as being this sort of like you know neon coated pop um, bubblegum sort of like you know most of cinema, and then you get a film and you're like, oh no no, like you know there was a real sort of seedy underbelly to all this. Um, and I, I, so I like that. I like the fact that they are so desperate, that they're so you know so opposing in that way. Um, well, it's funny. I, I was uh, watching something about tests about human nature, and mm. you know what percentage of people, if you um, like, you know, tell them they go to a hotel and you tell them, you know. Um, you make sure they overhear right at the front desk, like, "Oh, really? There's a guest who's left a money in a suitcase in a room. Uh, you know, we'll we'll look for that right away." And then, you know, of course, there's the suitcase in their room. Some people bring it back, but almost nobody does. And mm. you know, then they they run out and and dispose of the suitcase. You know, they in one way or another. Um, and so it, it seems like the the '50s version. And, you know, it is trying to live in a world in which everybody would return that money. Right. Yes. And realizing that you have become a horrible monster. Of course, you do the right thing. And, you know, you think of your family. And I don't even know that it's the right thing. I mean, it's so moralistic that it's like, you know, uh, he instantly he's seen too many Frankenstein films. It's just like, yeah, the, the science is bad. 
Right, I've got it's not it's not even it's not just Andre, is it? You said like Andre is this sort of like you say is this ideal of a, the, the mad scientist, but like even his beloved brother Francois is sort of like you know, so dedicated to his brother, sort of like he may love his wife, but he's never done yeah. anything about it. I'll just be there mm-hmm. as the and then his wife that is dedicated to him. It's all this, like you say, this 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 um technicolor sort of like mor- morality is is yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and there's a there's a child. I mean, think about the role of children between the two. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, to end my thought, they're just the eighties version has that cynicism, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't buy that anymore. The eighties version is like, right, everybody takes the money. You know? Yeah. Um, well, the eighties version goes further. I think like you said, the fifties version you know, returns the suitcase with all the money. The 80s version goes out, buys a bunch of drugs, and then de- uses the suitcase to sort of do the lines on. Like that's how dark I think some of the 80s films got. Or, or uses the suitcase to, uh, you know, to bash somebody, or instantly takes that money and uses it to exploit somebody else. Right? It's yes. not just about yeah. having a good time yourself. Um, it's interesting the role of children between the two. That you know, children are part of that 1950s dream, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm. And it's interesting. This is sort of more secluded than a suburban dream, but it's not an urban. It's specifically not an urban setting. Whereas in in the 80s, it is a urban setting. It's New York, mm-hmm. and the child is a hypothetical child. It's a pregnancy, mm-hmm. right? Um, so, you know, I mean, it's a very it is astounding the difference it makes um, to a character and also to people in real life, whether they're parents or not, right? Um, and being a scientist who's not a parent, who's just a, a swinging Jeff Goldblum single you know, in New York, <laughs> is very different than this 50s depiction of everybody wants to be parents and every woman wants to have children and just be married to a good man who, no, neglects her most of the time but yeah. that's okay you have a maid exactly yeah it is it's that i you know like, it was almost the american dream is it like the, his his intelligence you know his his scientific know-how has allowed them you know he's got the scientific know-how his brother's got the business know-how and they've built this business together um well, what's so, fucked up is i mean that's that was my father's generation right mm. he he became a professor and, you know, his, his father neglected him, but he neglected us in turn. And, you know, I mean, his attitude was, I mean, he was better than his dad, but his attitude was like, right, I'm I'm paying for all of this, right? Yeah. I don't hit you. You know, I, I yeah, of, of course, I don't love you and I don't have conversations. I, I don't say I love you, but I mean, and I don't have conversations with you ever about anything, but... I don't hit you, yeah. you know, I'm paying yeah. for this and I'm smart. Like I'm accomplished. What more do you want? I, you know, I saw the fly and I was told that was doing pretty good. Uh, and today we're like, that is an abusive husband. You know, yeah. Like have a fucking conversation. And that's true. Isn't it? Like I said, that's the thing about, like you say, aspirations and, 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 and um, social acceptance of what it what it is that you can actually do is so so vastly different i mean we watched a lot of those 50s films you know with the last season and how we did that whole 50s block and it was clear in there that sort of like you know the depiction of the man's man who's sort of like you know often the the hero protagonist of those films um and often those things we said about sort of like you know the daughter of the professor or whatever was always in there and the you know those kinds of things 
So yeah, it is. It's, it's, it's an odd thing of how the the fifties set this this idea of like, you know, and the nuclear family was obviously a sort of big thing and sort of you know, in the uh, uh, and family and stuff was a big thing in the in the in the fifties. Uh, you know, you know what's fascinating is um, you know another thing that I recently saw were, was um, all these outtakes from old movies, and oh the, the bloopers. Yeah, the bloopers. I've right? seen Where, that. I've seen that. Yeah, yeah. The second. You know, they screw up. They're like, motherfucker, you know, just, yeah. yeah, yeah, saying the, the most in, invective uh, they, they possibly can. And the point is, right, I mean, and, and we know from data, everybody in the 50s was, was having abortions at the same rate as they do now. They were having gay sex at the same rate mm-hmm. that they do now. You know, they were using drugs at the same rate that they do now. You know, we give a couple percentage points. I mean, you know this is in human nature mm-hmm. all of this stuff that we're watching in the 50s is all consciously crafted lies oh yes i mean they know this is not the way that yeah. families are this is not the way women are this is not the way men are um and yet this is what america wanted to be to be true and wanted mm. to present it's to present itself as you know, to distort and hurt the next generation into thinking that's that should be normal. And of course, you're wrong if you deviate from that depiction of normal. Which is why you end up with the counterculture of the 60s, you know, that that, that complete swing in the other way, um, which, as you said, is, is less of a swing when you realize that a lot of the stuff, yes, what you're doing in outdoors was sort of going on indoors anyway. So it's just sort of, you know, you just mm-hmm. sort of brought it out into the open. Um, yeah, you're right, though. It is, it is very interesting how these two... Sort of, in fact, that, that, you know, there's, there's an interesting double feature here to watch these two back-to-back, I think, the fly in the 58 and 86, just to see how, um, that you know, those sort of things would be so different. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, so that's it. I think we're, you know, we're coming to time, really. So any final thoughts, sir? Any final thoughts for The Fly 1958? I, I was pleasantly pre- pleased by this. And I, and I think mm. what has been most clear to me is, you know, the things that's most referred to about this and that you've mentioned and other friends have mentioned is the, you know, sort of help me, help me, <laughs> and the ridiculous shot, you know, which I think, you know, for the time is fine. Um, of the fly with a human head. And I mean, this is what everybody references. Mm. And the truth is, you know, that's fine. It's a, it's an FX shot. But, you know, it's a perfectly adequate, you know, perfectly fine film from its era. Um, it, it holds your attention more than a lot of other films. And uh, so I was pretty pleased with it. At the same time, I think it's it's interesting that you can see how somebody would think, I'd like to remake this. That, yes. you know, not just with what you've described about, you know, the other potential uh, additional twists that could be done with this, but there is real potential here that is unrealized and there is real possibility for updating too. So that's that's a point. Actually. I, I, I think I want to sort of touch on a similar point you said there. But like you said, yeah, I'm the same. I really enjoy this film. Like, you know, it's badged as a Vincent Price film. It, it, he's in it, <laughs> you know. I kind of like Vincent Price. I I I I enjoy Vincent Price movies. This is this is not really a Vincent Price vehicle. Like he's in it, but it's more about sort of like the other characters. But that's fine. Like I like 
the way it's done. I think I like the the um, the structure, as you said, the fact it's going to give you that mystery to begin with. Um, it's not going to lay it all out, and it has sort of several reveals and twists along the way, which um, I, I I just really enjoy. I thought it was a good film. It's so yeah, you say it keeps your attention, um, and and um, you know. I'm not unsatisfied at the end. I'm like, yeah, this is good. I think, you know, it's a well-done film. and It's dated in, in many respects, as we've sort of highlighted, but taken in the era that it was made and what it is, I think it's a, it's, it's a pretty solid film. I can see why it sort of stood up. I can also, as you say, see why it stood up as being the potential uh, to be remade. Now, obviously, this isn't the, you know, we've done The Fly and The Fly, but... Um, if you listen to there was the uh, the return of the fly and the curse of the fly, um, and um, so this this wasn't sort of like a one off. This had two sequels. Like you know, it managed to make money and it it did well. Um, so in in this and the eighty six version had the fly two as well. But I like this idea you said not just about remaking it, but uh, recontextualizing it, adapting it, modernizing it. Uh, or or even just doing something different. Like I recently did a, uh, a, a on sister podcast, Twenty Century Geek, um, a comparison of um, the thing from Outer Space, for instance, a fifties film, and mm-hmm. the thing, the John Carpenter film, mm-hmm. and it's a similar thing. It's sort of going, okay, well, the 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 thing from Outer Space is very much a fifties sort of like monster movie. It's got ideas in there, you know, and then obviously John Carpenter came along and was like. I want to go back to the original story and I want to give it a modern twist. I can put a different context into this. And the same with what Cronenberg did. He was like, you know, yeah, I could do this thing of, you know, that thing. I'm sure they could do something similar, like an 80s movie. But no, he was like, no, no, we're going to go a different way. And I'm going to have a different tone. I'm going to do this, but like, I'm going to keep that idea. Um, and so I, I actually think, you know, just as a final note, I think this is a really good idea. of When we look at remakes... That thing of like, you know, people say, I'll stop making remakes. And you go like, well, <laughs> only if, if you're going to give it that modernization, if you're going to recontextualize it and say something different, then actually, it, sometimes it can be really worthwhile. Um, and I think it can be really successful. Mm. So, well, um, well, this and the thing are two classic examples of. Uh, very different remakes that are rated generally higher than the original. Yes, yeah, there aren't many, but I think you know the, 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 there might be some others sort of like you know kicking about out there. But have to sort of maybe come across one day. And, and furthermore, on that point, it does argue that that remake, that director, right, have a new idea, right? Yes, go a new okay. direction. You don't have to be faithful to the original. Our job as as the audience is just to wait until that actually comes out. Mm. Right. Because you don't know, you know, I mean, you could just hear the pitch and you'll think, yeah, that sounds horrible. Right. <laughs> but wait until it actually comes out. You know, Jeff Goldblum is, you know, you know, that sounds horrible. But wait until it actually comes out and hopefully it'll be a strong interpretation. Mm-hmm. And if it's bad, by all means, we can say it's bad, but don't condemn the entire concept of reinterpreting these things. Yeah. Again, because. We know in a different time, you know, I'm not saying remake the fly again, you know, most definitely not. But there are films, I think, that you could go back from the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s or whatever and go, OK, we've gone through a lot now. Time to reinterpret this film for a different generation, for a different era and, and see what we can make. I think there's plenty that could be done. 
Anyway, that's it. I think we, we've addressed that. So that's the fly from from 1958. Uh, but we're not done. Obviously, we're still very early on in our, our uh, season. Uh, and just so you know, the next film is Alphaville from 65. Yeah. yeah, Jean-Luc Godard. Yeah, so we're jumping from the 50s into the 60s. You know, we're going through these decades. We've done the 30s, done the 40s, done the 50s. Now we're getting into the 60s. We really are sort of um, getting through these and uh, some fantastic films. So next episode, yes, we're doing Alphaville. Go and find it and check it out before we... Um, uh, I've never watched it, by the way. So, you know, it's a French uh, film. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it shall be interesting to see... It feels like a French film. I'll be interesting to see what what you think. <laughs> That's an interesting. I, mean, I, I make but... you watch these, like you know. All right, you're going to watch three hours of Russian cinema. Yeah. You know, like... <laughs> one day they'll get to one, and you'll be like, "It feels like a Lithuanian film." I'm like, "I don't even know what that means." Like, yeah, I know what you mean when you say it feels like a French film, but I'm looking forward to it. I am. It's going to be interesting. Uh, but we've got so much more to come. We've got so so much more to come. You know, but if and if. Uh, you know, for those that often, you know, one of the things we have heard is we do a lot of stuff, but we are going to be, there'll be some big names coming up as well. You'll, you'll recognize and you'll, you'll enjoy. But anyway, so ladies and gentlemen, um, join us for the next episode. But Julian, thank you very much for joining me as always to talk about The Fly. Always my pleasure. I love doing this with you. And, and I love uh, thinking about uh, these films in a different way from uh, your perspective, you know, and, and the ways that we agree and disagree. It's just fascinating. Yeah, as I say, we, you know, we, we, when we sort of have those slightly varying ideas, I think it's when that's when the, the great discussions happen. Um, we'll see, we'll see what, what discussions we have over Alphaville. Let's see. Let's see. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, ladies and gentlemen, if you're enjoying what we do, I'm, I'm really like want to hammer this home. If you like what we do, go leave us a review. Seriously, it takes a couple of minutes. Go find your podcast, uh, catcher, just leave a review on there, you know. Preferably five stars, but if not five stars, just go on and leave us a review. We want the feedback. We want to understand. Go and uh, talk to us. Find us on social media at pod time space, P-O-D-T-I-M-E space, S-P-A-C-E. We're on there. I'm going to put a link down below. Like, you know, we've got the the bit link and all that kind of things. Go find us on, on social media. Come and tell us, like, you know, are you enjoying these films? What do you think about the selection we've made for season four? It's on there now. Um, is it good? Is it bad? Are we, you know, uh, what other things do you think we should uh, review? What other films do you think should be remade? Do you have an interpretation of a film? Tell us, like you know, the other fifty fifties films that you think should be remade or reinterpreted. Uh, let us know. Uh, but if you really, really like what we're doing as well, you're having a taster of some of the stuff we are doing out on the Patreon because in between these main feed or these main movie episodes, we are now releasing uh, Trekking Through the Twilight Zone. So these are sort of like bite-sized chunks we're doing, that Julian and I are doing, each episode of The Twilight Zone. So you're now going to be getting them on the main feed every two weeks. However, if you join, if you like those, go check out our Patreon. And for just five, well, five pounds, I think it's a couple of dollars, $6 a month, you get first two seasons worth. So what's that? That's like, what, almost 60 episodes? Yeah. Um, of trekking through the, yes, so almost 60 episodes of trekking through the Twilight Zone. We've been releasing them week in, week out for um, almost like 60 weeks for quite a while, and they will they will always be released weekly on the Patreon uh, and fortnightly on the main feed. 
So you will you will never well you might eventually, but they will, you know as a Patreon you will always get additional um, additional material. And there's so much more on those other podcasts and stuff. So please go check out. There's a link down below. Uh, greatly appreciate it. Uh, yeah. So ladies and gentlemen and Julian, thank you very much, and uh, we shall see you in Alphaville.